0: Hello and welcome back to Pictorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm someone who did not go to art school, but apparently I do have a small obsession with art that's sent through the mail, so I hope that's what you're here for today. And I'm Betty.
1: I'm also someone who did not go to art school, but I have been working at an art gallery for the past eight years as a gallery guide, and while I don't have an obsession with art that's sent through the mail, I apparently always talk about stuff that goes on in the gallery that I work in. So today we're covering a topic that uh, was an art exhibition that was at the AGO where I work. And um, it's an example of what we will speak about today
0: yeah everyone drank we're talking about an exhibit that betty <laughs> saw the ago um <laughs> yeah and it's so funny how that always happens because half the time they're my topics and you're like oh yes i've seen all these things in person and i'm like yeah. damn our <laughs> yeah. gallery on is just really on it that, that's true i
1: mean we are pretty big and and like you know toronto is a pretty i think it's like whenever there's shows that happen like a traveling exhibition they they usually just do like one stop in canada and it's toronto because we're the biggest city so like if it's like you know picasso or like van gogh or whatever like that's well known it's the only
0: stop in canada so we get everything yay i saw a post recently that said london new york and toronto are the same city in different fonts and (laughs) I think they're that's, right. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, our main topic today is about mail art. So you might recall that way back in our, I think it was our very second episode, we talked about postcards as art. And this is actually a little different than that. This is both a specific and a broad phenomenon. There is just a general concept of mail art, which is basically any art that is sent through the mail, pretty straightforward. But there is also a kind of a specific historical lineage of setting art through the mail um, in the United States, specifically, I should say, um, in terms of the stuff that I was looking at, coming out of something called the New York Correspondence School, and then looking at the sort of ebb and flow of the popularity of sending art through the mail, and also a little bit of what that looks like today, um, as the mail is having a bit of a moment. (laughs) I looked up history of the mail art a little bit myself, and I think
1: uh yeah it it while it does seem to originate um from uh New York or from the u s in the sixties there're obviously you know all around the world uh, there are postal services, and mm-hmm. there's various uh, possibly like independent people doing it um on their own, or perhaps you're also inspired by the New York school.
0: Yeah, so this was all kind of popularized by this one guy named Ray Johnson. As you've said, lots of people do this in lots of different ways, but this was kind of a really big thing for him. Um, he actually started experiments with male art back in 1943 during World War II, I guess. But yeah, um, he had a couple of different specific styles that he used Um a big thing that he did was putting instructions in the mail on sending it to his friends who were like all right um and basically indulge johnson um and that was something that he really started in full swing in about the mid 1950s and these are be- pretty basic instructions they would say things like please send this to like blank someone else um please add this something else to it and return it to me uh please do not send to this specific person or a specific kind of person. Um, So they weren't like really advanced things. They were just like really simple stuff that you could easily do in the mail through the postal system. Um, And as I said, like he did this more and more through the 1950s. And then in 1962, an artist named Edward Plunkett uh, coined the term New York Correspondent School, basically to refer to just this one guy, again, sending mail to his friends and his friends carrying on the bit. So it wasn't actually a school. I totally
1: thought it was like a school, but it's just about this guy doing male art.
0: No, it's just the name of a very specific art movement that was basically like one circle of people. Johnson really liked that name, but he decided to deliberately misspell it. So correspondence um, that is D D-E-N-C-E, but he spelled it D-A-N-C-E just for fun because it's a sort of very playful group of people I guess and not a lot of people were very prominently associated with this art movement because that really wasn't the purpose of it the whole point was to be the whole point was to be simple was to be playful and to sort of have this egalitarian approach where it was even where it was equal between pretty much everyone. Obviously, there are very minor barriers to sending mail. Um, you have to get a stamp, you have to have some kind of thing to write on and something to write with. But the vast majority of people are able to access these things. And so it's a, as we discussed in the postcard episode, it's way more accessible than, for example, distributing art through a gallery or other more traditional forms of art showcasing, which are way higher barrier to entries on purpose. So the whole point of this was like, we are basically having fun with this. We are doing all these different things and exchanging art. Johnson specifically said that he found it really interesting because it's about communication specifically. Um, It's about conveying messages to people in a very unique way through this slow written form. Um, And he thought that was a lot of fun to play with, obviously. And this is basically how it all went in the 1960s until the 1970s um, when the whole movement, I guess you could call it really exploded. And it expanded far beyond just the idea of the New York Correspondent School and started to include lots of different people all over the place. I'm sure he was like inspired
1: by um, of like predecessors before him in a way because um, yeah, like what you describe and what he's doing. Um, it, it seems like it very like Dada very Marcel Duchamp or um you know that type of spontaneousness like giving instruction to do something um it's it's like you know what the something that I, I feel like the Dadaists would do um and again this whole like dance thing they just sort of like dance around and do all kinds of random stuff that seemingly doesn't make sense but um it, it doesn't have to and I and, and I also think that um similar to Dada's but also um, the fact that like you mentioned it's like a communication-based thing and so this encourages or even in many ways requires collaboration between artists so like I always really like look looking at works that were collaborations between two or more artists and like you don't see that quite So often in art galleries, it's usually this is by Leonardo, this is by Van Gogh, like it's artists working alone. And when you can see these collaborations, and when it's a, it's a form of art that makes that very easily done. It's it's, you know, very interesting to me anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The sort of spread of male art um, went about as what you would expect, you know, things spread as people share them um, as pieces of art in the mail are spread further and further, both sort of the original idea of like sending simple instructions and drawings to each other, to much more elaborate forms of art that are still able to be sent through the mail with basic post-it stamps. And this movement kind of culminated in these exhibitions. There were actually a couple of rules to the mail art exhibitions. The whole idea was that they should be as open as possible. So sometimes an artist who is sort of a prominent member of this male art community would hold a male art show. There's no jury, there's no entry fee, there's no censorship, and everything that people submit is exhibited. Um, So that seems bold. If because i feel like things can get out of control but this is like kind of pre-internet so <laughs> right. there is sort of natural limits to how far things could spread in those days especially when they don't this is not like the new york times holding it you know these are basically individual people um you don't get your work sent back but uh if but they'll make a catalog out of everything and everyone who participates get a catalog for free this sounds like it's a way to lose a lot of money if you're making docu i guess it it says catalog or documentation so who knows what that means um but this is not a money-making endeavor, and the whole point is, you know, celebration of art and openness and et cetera, et cetera. There was one incident in 1984 when curator Ronnie Cohen was doing a an exhibit called Male Art Then and Now. And she was actually breaking one of the rules, which was that she was editing some of the material sent her way um, because she wanted to have this historical aspect as well as contemporary aspect. And so she was basically applying this curatorial discretion to it. People got really mad about it because they saw that as violating sort of the tenets of the male art movement. This caused such a controversy that they were doing a two-part panel discussion um, around it. And they were going to sort of debate the issues. She was going to moderate one of those panels. And they asked her to step down as moderator and just be a member of the panel instead. Um, And she chose to leave the event. (laughs) This obviously caused a lot of conflict and sort of ideological debate and um, anger within the male art community. A lot of people were really angry about how it had been dominated by this small group of mostly male artists. Male, male art. (laughs) That's not confusing at all.
1: (laughs) Well, I actually, when you first proposed this topic, I I had to clarify. I was like, male like letters, not like a gender.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I want to talk about all art made by men. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That seems like a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's the only sort of example of sort of notable conflict within the male art community because it, since it is such a loosely defined thing, there aren't a lot of like major groundbreaking events. Um, <laughs> but this was obviously a big ideological thing. Uh, and there were lots of different takes on it about censorship, reverse censorship, sexism within the community, like all this different stuff going on. Um, and it definitely had a huge impact in sort of the what you might consider like a central male art community. Um, and then, of course, the Internet really kicks in. And so at this point, male art's popularity had definitely peaked, and while it still existed, was a lot less popular than it used to be. We'll come back to that at the end of the episode. (laughs) Sort of between these kind of early historical markers of the male art movement um, and the contemporary revival of some of it, uh, there's obviously been a lot of art shared, and you've gotten the chance to, um, I believe you said you didn't get the chance to actually see it because Because the exhibit had closed, but you got a bunch of press information about this male art exhibit?
1: I I did receive a bunch of information about this exhibition. I actually did see it briefly. So shortly before the AGO closed back in March, this exhibition was on and I went and took a scan of it and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll come back to this and, and take a closer look. And then like two days later, everything closed. And I was like, oh, That sucks. And when it reopened, I went to check if it was still there and it is not. So I was very sad. Um, But fortunately, yeah, there are still pictures online and there's I have received a bunch of information about it. We were preparing to Uh, talk about it and I was going to probably do a tour about it and talk to visitors about it but again that will probably not happen um, unless they put this exhibition back up at some point but so the show uh, is or was called male art break the rules the must stop portfolio it's a very long title Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so it um, was I guess similar to the correspondence school it was a campaign or an organized distribution uh, in the, n- the late 1960s. So it was put together by two artists named William Copley and Dmitry Petrov. And so basically um, the way they framed it is they they s- kind of framed this project as um, not only asking critical questions, but getting active and demand answers and calling forth the spirit of rabble-rousing and rebellion. <laughs> So, so it was a subscription-based type of mail uh, delivery service, and it arrived in the form of a cardboard box mailer containing mass-produced prints, photographs, text, audio recordings, and more um, from a variety of artists. So I believe William Copley and Dmitry Petrov, they organized it and different people, I think you can be anyone, you can subscribe to this box and they'll send it to you periodically and it's compiled with works from different artists that's small enough to fit into a small box that can be mailed through the post service. Um, So their intention was to disrupt and bypass the red tape of powerful art institutions as we discussed, um, so yeah, they deliver the work directly to the subscri- subscribers, and s- they saw this as a democratic approach um, because they actually paid all the contributing artists a flat fee of a hundred dollars, whether they were uh, world-renowned or up-and-coming or nobody's ever heard of them. It doesn't matter. They, I- I'm not sure if they accepted everyone. Like, I didn't find information sort similar to what you said about the other shows exhibitions that were organized this one yeah i don't know if they accepted everyone but again even if they did it was a couple of people it wasn't like i don't think they got like a hundred thousand submissions um especially back then so uh, it's possible they did and um, or maybe they just they reached out to artists they know that specifically i'm not so sure about but um yeah they they treated everyone equally which was I think I would say this seems to fit the rules that you mentioned earlier, even though, um, you know, these were a separate group of people.
0: That's really cool. And I I especially like the note about how everyone was paid a flat fee um, for the work that they contributed
1: even though, yeah, it was done by a variety of artists, and I don't think there was uh, specific instructions on exactly what they had to do, um, except for, you know, the whole rabble-rousing and rebellion uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sort of philosophy that they probably told the artists.
0: So Love to rouse rabbles.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, of course, like, the boxes, they were full of works that were, like, satirical, some with political commentary, and then also just fun and spontaneous. Um, so an example of one of the works was by by the artist uh, Marsha Herskovitz and so uh, her contribution is called uh, portfolio or her contribution is to what well, is a portfolio number two I guess maybe the second mailing they sent it's uh, called 10 collages so basically it's 10 I think postcards or photographs that are collages so she kind of um, is like took a surrealist approach to her messages and social critiques in a way Um, so the one work that really kind of noticed and uh, there was also a description like label about this work is there's a picture of a girl sitting in a school desk and then on the upper right hand corner she stuck another picture which is a woman Tied up in like bondage, and then the there's a text underneath that said, "This girl's back is bent until it is uncomfortable. Her lungs are crowded so that she can't breathe well. Her head is tilted so that blood does not flow easily to her brain, and she can't think well." So obviously, this message um, can describe either the girl in the school table and chair, or the girl who's been tied up in bondage gear. So you know she's kind of alluding to how these are both the same situations in a really kind of creepy type of way, but you can kind
0: of, kind of see what she's getting at. That's so concerning. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, um, on a a slightly, I guess, uh, less dark note and a little bit more like amusing and spontaneous. Uh, this one I really loved. So this is a work by the artist Robert Watts. It's called permanent parking sticker. (laughs) So, uh, basically across the 1960s parking meters across north america had the exact same looking uh, like face like at the exact same countdown clock and so watts uh, recreated that exact same look but he but it's just the sticker and the exact same shape and size as the parking meter uh, clock so and then he, obviously it was mailed out to all these people and you can peel it and stick it on parking meters uh like wherever you park basically so it the parking attendant probably just walks by and takes a look and uh, you basically have free parking unlimited because it always says like you have 45 minutes left um so i just thought this is like hilarious because i'm like oh my god like it's So, like, this, this I think, really speaks to the whole, like, rabble-rousing and rebellious nature, but in, like, just kind of a hilarious way.
0: (laughs) This is called direct intervention.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, I'm like, you know, it's technically breaking the rules of society, but, you know, whatever. Those parking attendants, you know, will ticket you after three seconds, so... You know, we need to take something back <laughs> for ourselves.
0: <laughs> these are great examples. As you mentioned earlier, like a lot of male art sort of petered out after the 1980s. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these are in museums now and this whole like exhibit from the 1960s and all of that stuff. But there has been a little bit of a resurgence lately um, for no reason at all. <laughs> so basically, uh, I mean, mail art has continued over the decades. Of course, um, there's a place uh, if you go to mailartprojects.blogspot.com. It sort of compiles all of these calls for mail art projects over the past. Uh, it's up to, goes back to 2007, um, which I think is pretty great. Uh, they have been going down over the years, but like there's still dozens every year that at least this website has recorded. And recently, if you Google mail art, a lot of very contemporary stuff comes up because uh, a bunch of places, sort of like universities and other um, locations and organizations are doing calls for male art um, and sort of like expressing art from around the country slash around the world uh, during the pandemic. So, for example, um... Printed Matter Incorporated is doing a window exhibit of male art uh, during the pandemic. So they did a call for male art in April and May. A bunch of people sent stuff in. And now they are all in the windows of their storefront, which is very cool. So they're, of course, like visible from the outside, uh, which is the safer place to be. So um, a very cool sort of incorporation of a male art exhibit in modern times. Um University of Michigan is doing one right now, I think. Um, So that is just for people in the Ann Arbor community. (laughs) But if you happen (laughs) to be part of the Ann Arbor slash Michigan community, go for that one. I will be very interested to see what that's doing. And then what I thought was really interesting, this actually just ended, which is kind of a bummer because like kind of what I like to enter this is a sort of twist on this is they were doing a fundraiser for the U.S. Postal Service. Which I'm sure people listening to this are probably aware that there's a whole thing going on with the U.S. Postal Service because our country is sliding into fascism um, and we're not allowed to have a postal service. And it's not uh, not I'm not joking, but I'm not going to think about that too much on this episode at this exact moment. So anyway, there was a fundraiser for the U.S. Postal Service because that's a thing we need now in a functioning country. But the whole point was that if you bought a, a set of stamps that are like $11, I think, for the, the set they wanted you to buy, um, it could enter you into a drawing for all of this art that would be sent to you through the mail from these sort of established contemporary artists. Um, and so that was really cool. And some of some of the art is sort of based on mail. Some of it is not. Um, but... All of them are able to be traveled through the mail with just a normal stamp, which is kind of the whole point of this, and have a, a big range of sort of like postcards to custom envelopes and all of this different stuff. So again, I believe this has closed now, um, but a very cool, very cool and creative way to sort of incorporate activism with this kind of art, which is Imagine Moon in Heaven in this case, because they go together very well.
1: Yeah, and uh, even though it has closed, you could still contribute to the uh, U.S. Postal Service's funds I'm sure in other ways but uh, well
0: I mean you can buy stamps exactly (laughs) so I mean
1: stamps are nice start a stamp collection Um, so yeah I I think definitely as we mentioned earlier this kind of format of like physically sending stuff and uh, like kind of the slowness of uh, mail art when you know you have just way too much time on your hand and um, not in a hurry um, to do anything anytime soon um, it becomes a little bit more appealing. And so yeah, like I've kind of read about um, a, a, this resurgence, you know, over the last few months of people starting campaigns. Um, so there, um, I read about this, uh, ex- uh, this campaign that's also since closed, um, but it was organized by an artist called Jason Brown. And he um, has he had a, a call for male art called My View from Home. And so it was basically um, it like it's very open-ended so it can he said it can be real or imaginary basically you know send me whatever your interpretation of it, it, your view from home is and so people sent in like all kinds of things he got a whole bunch of postcards in like made from masks (laughs) like surgical masks and then he also got just like all kinds of different like some people did drawings of their view from home some people did like watercolors and some were like super abstract and some were like photographs so yeah like it's Thing that we can do now and I think he um, actually I just looked on the mail art projects blog spot and I think it, I, I just noticed he recently started another call for a male art project that has to do with like voting and elections uh, which is something that will be happening in your country and possibly my country too this year but we'll see hmm. uh, again like I think we mentioned before a lot of male art is not only about you know like opening access so that we don't have to um limit to accessing art in the art gallery but it does seem like a lot of it is about like not only rebellion but political activism and things like that so it's kind of a way for everybody to you know get their message out there and especially when we may end up voting by mail literally you know um the mail will
0: continue to be a
1: thing (laughs) let's hope
0: but yes, for now, it definitely is a very cool tool that's used in for art and activism um, across the decades. And it definitely is a very cool tool that c- connects us historically with these people who have come before and whose work now exists just out there in the world or in museums. And now we are adding on to that tradition in a very cool way as people are sort of picking up mail more and more, not only for these uses, but also just to communicate with each other more because – the internet is stressful and we have a lot of people not everybody but a lot of people do have more time on their hands than perhaps the average year and so i've noticed a lot of people writing more letters and creating more things to send through the mail than usual so that's all very cool Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Pictorial. If you want to find us on Twitter or Instagram, you can do so at PictorialPod. You can also find our show notes at Readly.fm slash Pictorial. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at
1: Articulations V. I'm also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, we also upload these podcast episodes to our Pictorial Podcast YouTube channel where you can listen to the podcast and watch images go by on the screen along the way that we speak about. Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.